morning and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumser, and today we're going to be talking with David Green from Insight 222. David, if you if you pay attention to people analytics, and, and not everybody in the audience does, but if you pay attention to people analytics, David is everywhere. He runs he runs an operation called Insight 222, helps organizations create cultural and economic value, and is part of myhrfuture.com, which is an online knowledge academy. David, you've got such a long list of things. Why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself uh, so that people get a clear picture? Thanks, John. Well, firstly, thank you very much for having me on the show. As you can probably tell, and your listeners can tell, I'm British, uh, but please don't hold that against me. Um, <laughs> I'm a father, husband, and servant fan of Liverpool Football Club, so they're the most important things. Uh, and as John said, um, we've been, we created Insight 222 about two and a half years ago now, uh, and it's a professional service firm dedicated to the field of people analytics, one of the fastest growing areas in HR. Um, I also do what John does some, uh, is doing at the moment. I host a podcast um, on my HR future, the Digital HR Leaders podcast. And before the world changed, I used to spend quite a lot of time at HR conferences, speaking and, uh, and chairing uh, sometimes. So I, uh, I was the main stage moderator at the Unleashed conference in Paris last year. Um, so that's, that's kind of me. Um, I managed to fit quite a lot into my time, um, but probably work far too long hours, like, like probably a lot of you. So, so I don't imagine. I don't imagine that that as as a young boy just learning how to ride a bike in your idle hours, you thought, "What I really want to do is become a conference chair and executive consultant on people analytics." Um, how did you How did you get from being a normal person into this horrid rut? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny that I, when I was a young boy, I dreamt of being a, 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 either a cricket player, uh, which will probably alienate me from a lot of uh, your audience, or a rock star. Uh, so I failed quite dismally in, in, in that respect. Um, so I, I got into this by accident, like, like, a, like a lot of us. I kind of fell into the HR space, first of all, in the late 90s. Um, I worked as a, a recruiter, uh, then a sales leader, and then a consultant. Um, I moved to the south of France. Uh, with my now wife in 2004, and we spent seven years there, had our two wonderful kids. Um, and I worked for a tech firm that specialized in the travel industry. And part of what we did was we provided data-driven insights to customers, which are principally airlines and travel agencies, that helped them run their business. Um, and then we started evolving that, some of those insights into analytics-based products. And I started thinking, why didn't we do this when I worked in HR? Because we collect a hell of a lot of data in the recruiting process, throughout the talent management life cycle, but it seems that a lot of decisions about who we hire, who we promote, uh, all, everything around the whole talent management seems to be very much around based on opinion or by chance. Um, so when I moved back to the UK in 2011, um, I came back into HR uh, and specifically the area of recruitment process outsourcing. Um, and I started doing some research, and I started research, and the research uncovered that there were some companies who were using their people data to provide insight, to support better decision-making around people, but also actually helping the employees themselves. Um, and the more I researched about people analytics, the more interested and fascinated I became. 
I'd actually had a cricket blog since 2009. So I took some of the learnings from creating a blog and being reasonably successful with that in terms of getting people to read it um, and started creating content around uh, people analytics um, and uh, more by an accident of timing, I think, than anything else. People seem to be quite interested in it. And I got asked to, to come and speak at conferences, which is quite funny because I certainly wasn't an expert, as I told them. Uh, I just went with it, had no idea really what I was, uh, where it would take me. Um, and then I got approached by IBM, joined IBM um, end of 2015. So my hobby effectively, or one of my hobbies, uh, became, almost became my job. And then after a couple of years at IBM, uh, which uh, were very enjoyable. Um, me and a few others um, that I'd met in this space, we set up Insight 222. And that kind of brings us to where we are today. So, so tell me about Insight 222. What is yeah, it? So we, we set it up. And, yeah, I mean, people analytics, I mean, you've been talking about people analytics or HR analytics or other ways it's been called for quite a while. And it seems like the sort of slowly growing area of HR, which, you know, to me, seems to have grown much faster in the last couple of years. And actually, something we wanted to do at IBM, really, um, I worked in the part of IBM that was more around providing products. It was the X-Connect, the X-Connector business. And what I saw is that people needed less products around people analytics. They needed help. They needed help to get started, whether they were organizations or people analytics needed help to create more value, create more traction, and create more focus. So Jonathan Farrar, who I used to work with at Insight 222, and now Adamson, someone I know you know well, um, John, and a few other people, we just thought we'd all kind of worked in this space, and we felt that the people analytics uh, teams and leaders themselves need something a little bit different. So we set up Insight 222, and it kind of provides three main areas, I'd say. One is it's, um, it's an advisory firm for the head of people analytics typically in global firms. And we're working with around 70 of those companies worldwide now. And we facilitate meetings, we provide content, um, and we provide advisory to those, those companies. Some of those companies and others want to go a bit deeper and do consulting. Um, and on the consulting side, we're very much not doing the analytics. Uh, we're helping them um, with things like stakeholder planning, with things like uh, creating an operating model, all stuff around so they can drive more value and create more impact um, in people analytics and help them focus on the areas that, that, that need to need to be improving. And we do that via a diagnostic tool that uh, a few of us, uh, Jonathan and I, created a couple of years ago. Um, and then the other part is the MyHR Future part. So this is in recognition, really, that actually, you know, it's not just about creating a team, a people analytics team. You also need to create that kind of more data-driven culture within the wider HR function. Um, and also, it's not just around the data, it's around the digital part as well. So we did some research when we were setting up MyHR Future, and, and we went out to, uh, we first went out to our clients, we also went out to HR practitioners themselves, and we said, what skills do you want to learn? Um, and it came back, and they said, we want to learn about FIFA analytics. We want to learn more about strategic workforce planning and org design. We want to learn more about digital technologies and design thinking, and we want to learn some of the soft skills around all of those areas, such as consulting and influencing and stakeholder management. So we basically then set up the MyHR Future Academy to provide online uh, training around that. Um, and it's, it's, it's based, it's got, and again, I'm not a tech expert here, um, but it, it, you create your own learning pathway on there based on your interests. So you can take some of the courses on there, which are, 
either delivered by people in our business or we go out to other experts uh, or real experts like Dave Ulrich and, and, and others. Uh, if you're a people analytics professional, you can learn about how to use Python to, to do network analytics. If you're an HR business partner, you can learn the sort of basics of, of people analytics and how to have database conversations and uh, frame business questions. So it's, it's kind of a learning and it's a learning consulting and networking business in, 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 in quick summary. So, so I'm sure that this has changed fairly dramatically recently, but what does a typical day look like? You've got your fingers in a lot of pies. Well, it used to involve a lot of travel, but at the moment it involves traveling from the bedroom to the office um, uh, quite early in the morning. So we've got a young, young dog who decides that he should bark at six o'clock every morning. Um, but typically it will involve you know, work with clients, which could be some advisory. Um, it could be some more detailed consulting. Usually, obviously, that would be delivered face-to-face, but currently it's being delivered virtually. It's, uh, it's around um, creating, at the moment, uh, a lot of the kind of facilitated meetings that we um, host with our clients, uh, you know, are being done virtually. So, for instance, yesterday, um, we did two one-hour sessions uh, with clients, all talking about how, their people analytics teams are responding to COVID-19 uh, and some of the things that they're getting involved with and some of the challenges that they're facing. So it's that kind of idea that you share, learn and collaborate and learn from each other. Um, be doing a, quite a few webinars, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and then it's just research and writing, really. So um, and I, I guess the big difference between Hit now the situation we're in and, and prior to that is I've spent quite a lot of time on the road, uh, particularly in, uh, in the US and in Europe, um, either going to conferences or, or, or doing work on site with clients. Isn't it nice to not have jet lag all the time? It is. And it, it, it is in a way. I, I wish it didn't have to be the situation that we're in because we, we mustn't forget that actually quite a lot of people are dying out there and a lot of people are sick. Um, but you know, from a personal perspective, it's actually been quite nice not to travel. Um, it's been nice to spend more time with my kids. Um, and, uh, but yeah, but, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure how long I can do it before I, I get cabin fever, to be perfectly honest with you. The kids have definitely got cabin fever. Um, we're lucky, as I said earlier, we live in the country. So we're, you know, we're allowed out once a day to do some exercise. So, we, you know, we can take the bike <laughs> out. We can take the, the dog out for a walk. And there's plenty of areas to walk. So, you know, so that, that we're lucky in that respect, you know. You know, we have a garden and, you know, and stuff like that. So, you know, we're really lucky compared to a lot of people in this situation. So we've been talking about people analytics, but we didn't really define it. What, what does people analytics mean to you? Well, I think the first thing to say, it's not about HR. It's, it's, it's about the business. It's not about starting with the data. It's about starting with the business problem. Um, you know, really un, 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 unfurling what are the questions that you could potentially ask, ask, answer by using data and then using that data to provide insights that inform decision-making. And hopefully because you're using data, you're making better and fairer decisions. Um, so that, that's really what it... That's really what it is for me. Um, and as I said, the, the leading teams that, that we see, um, that we are working with, you know, they're focusing on business challenges such as things like customer retention, productivity, sales performance. They're not trying to justify the ROI of the learning budget, if you see what I mean. Now, obviously, the, P, the HR programs all then come into that because what are the, the HR programs could be levers that help drive sales performance, productivity, et cetera. But, 
it's answering business challenges and understanding the people dynamics of that and then how people data can help probably by blending it with some business data to give you some insights to actually improve productivity and understand sales performance uh, at a much deeper um, and granular level. So how much of that, one of the things that really has my attention right now is, is a lot of the things that we have built over the last decade depend on a stable business environment where good is the same as up and to the right. You know, continuous yep. growth over time in a uh, sustained upturn. And now all of that historical data is suspect. Um, um, you know, every process is under examination, doing the same old things with social, if you just added social distance to, to doing the same old things, it would distort all of the numbers. And so, so what does people analytics do when there's a sort of a data free fall? How do you, how do you, how do you reconcile the fact that, that this is a, a data oriented initiative and the data just exploded well it certainly changed the game this crisis that that is for sure and i think that you know certainly a lot of the the, the teams that we're working with either most or all of their work now is devoted to doing stuff related to this crisis that we're in um whether that is getting dashboards ready to for, for executives to, to help them make decisions understand simple things like who's sick who's at risk, um, understanding, you know, the caregiver side of it. So it's suddenly, you know, it's, I'm fortunate my wife doesn't, doesn't work. So she's actually acting as a teacher now to, to our two kids. I'm not having to do that, but I know several people who are now effectively only working half their time because they have to teach their kids for the rest of the time and they share it with their partner. Um, understanding well-being, you know, suddenly we've got all our, pretty much all our workers um, working from home, uh, those that aren't critical workers and having to be in the office. And that's, that for a lot of people, that's completely new. So that's using people analytics teams to, to understand basic things. Do people have the tools they need to do their job? But it's also then understanding things around, potentially around collaboration, around burnout, uh, around, uh, as one, one organization I spoke to yesterday, that's saying they're actually using the, the employee service they're doing to understand actually a number of their people who are now at home are worried they haven't got enough food and they can't get out to get the food. So they're actually organizing food parcels for them and stuff like that. So, um, you know, when we started digging deeper with a lot of the um, people I've been speaking to, they're not necessarily measuring engagement now. Um, you know, there is this uh, phenomenon, you know, the rally to the flag type thing in a crisis and engagement scores are probably going up in many organizations, particularly from those employees, obviously, who've still got a job because they're just delighted to have a job, to be perfectly honest with you. And you kind of rally around at, uh, at times like that. So so focus is shifting more to, to around well-being. Um, so but, but you're right. Um, you can't, it's very difficult to use some of the, the, the historical data. So I think a lot of the teams are now collecting new data um, and in understanding the themes that they might want to ask employees around in a survey, in surveys, which they are doing, most organizations are doing more regularly at the moment, they might be actually doing text analytics and NLP on maybe some of the uh, comments and questions in, in public forums, maybe in town halls, 
maybe on uh, questions that are going to service centers, HR service centers, and IT service centers, so they can understand what the key topics and themes are that employees are talking about or thinking about, and then they can ask specific targeted questions around there, uh, and then they can actually take action on those. So I think we're in a very different... I think a lot of the work that people analytics teams were doing is probably on the shelf for the time being whilst they deal with it here and now at this crisis. So, so I wonder, right, this, this, it, the, the question of what do the firefighters do after the firefight is over um, is yeah. the one that has my attention about people analytics. And, and while it's really, really exciting to see, um, I, I sit in on, on the Vizier conferences and um, they do amazing stuff working to deploy data against the crisis. But when the crisis is over, um, where are they? And, and, and so, so I wonder if you're helping people think about how to land after the crisis is done. It's a good question. And I think there's a lot of stuff out there at the moment. You're probably reading some of it as well. And, and people are kind of predicting what's going to happen in the post COVID world. Um, and talking about the next normal, the new normal, whatever uh, they want to call it. I, I think we're in such an abnormal situation at the moment. It's difficult to envisage what, what's, what's next and when. You know, this crisis seems to be, you know, developing day by day. And I know, I'm no expert. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not a health expert. But the way I look at it, I think we're going to be in this situation for quite some time yet. But you're right. Some organizations are starting to look to, okay, what next? So I think we're going to have some form of social distancing um, and lockdown for, for, for some time. So a lot of the organizations, particularly retail companies that we're working with, are, are thinking, okay, once we're allowed to open again, we've got to respect the social distancing. So we need to, we need to put visors, for example, in our cash tills. We need to think about what is the optimal um, number of employees we can actually have in the retail uh, outlet at any one time, given that we need to respect social distancing. We need to think about how we manage the number of potential customers coming into the store because of social distancing. So, and paper analytics teams are getting involved in some of these conversations. Then if we think about our offices, you know, how, you know, I know that there are conversations going on. I saw some research from Gartner around this, that CFOs are already planning for all the people that are currently newly remote won't all necessarily be coming back into the office. Um, partly, I suspect that that's being driven by CFOs. That's thinking about cost and, 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 and stuff like that. But also, there is the practicality that not everyone's going to be able to come back into the office anyway, depending on where, where you, what, what country or city you're in, because there will still be some form of social distancing. So then people analytics teams will be and are starting to get involved in actually helping their organizations work out which employees come back and when um, and which ones will be at home. And do you, do you prioritize by job role or do you start to think about things like actually our caregivers who are having a very hard time of it at the moment being at home, maybe we should prioritize them versus those that, that, that haven't got children or, or elderly relatives to look after and actually probably quite happy working from home. So it's, there's all those sorts of questions that are, are, are coming up that, you know, I, and I've seen, uh, I've seen some stuff that you've written, John, as well. And I, I tend to agree with you that I'm not sure we can start talking about a new normal just yet. Um, but, but doubtless, 
there are scenario plans going on. Organisations and people analytics teams will be helping to to develop those scenario plans for their for their execs. Yeah, you might take a look. This this will be where I plug myself for just a second. You might take a look at this new series that we've started called Small Scenarios. Um, the idea of small scenarios is you can't predict what what the settling place looks like, but you can tell now what the issues are that you need to attend to to be in a position to land well when when it becomes obvious where that is. And there are things like, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in HR um, that is um, delivered based on a prediction that's essentially a random distribution that's level over time, like the bereavement leave, uh, where, where nobody's got a bereavement leave budget. Everybody just assumes that, that the members of the employees' families will die at a relatively steady pace that's randomly distributed across the population, and you can afford to give three days worth of leave. But that bet may be off, right? What do you do when um, everybody wants bereavement leave all at once and you don't have the capacity to grant that request because it'll shut the business down? And how do you handle that, and, and how do you think about that? Those seem to me to be sort of operational questions that are not who's sick and who's healthy and how do we get the office started. But we, we want the business continuity in this environment, and so we're hunting for the issues. Anyhow, this series that we're doing is, is going to be 10 or 12 single-issue, two-page reports that tackle something like bereavement leave uh, as a – as an object for study with recommendations about how to do that. So take a look at that. Now, <clears throat> next on the list is what do you think the relationship between AI and people analytics is? Well, I, I suppose the first thing is, is there really true AI in the HR space? And uh, I, I do love reading <laughs> your, your articles about this. <laughs> So uh, yeah. uh, I'm a bit of a skeptic, uh, I must admit. But I, there, there, there does seem to be um, an increasing amount of use of machine learning across, you know, all the talent lifecycle in different in different um, sort of levels. And I think what whether there is a relationship definitely is is a, a lot of companies seem to be using machine learning to help personalise HR programs. So. You know, usually in the old days, or certainly when I started out, if you wanted to go learning, you went and looked at the, the training directory, and you 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 trawled through about a hundred pages, and eventually you found the, the course found the course that might be suitable for you. Um, and what a lot of organisations obviously doing at the moment is they're actually pushing relevant learning to people based on their based on their skills, based on the career paths that they say they want to take within the organisation. Uh, based on need, I guess, for the organization as well. Okay, someone's got skills one, two, and three. There's a good chance they'd be able to acquire skill four and five, but it's actually we need more supply moving forward. So I think we are seeing that personalization a little bit in HR, HR programs, which is good. Um, and you can't really do any of that without data. You don't understand um, people's current skills and careers, career desires and, and potential skills adjacency. You can't recommend learning courses for them. So I think the organizations that will, that will create these types of um, AI or machine learning based products are the ones that are 
have developed that capability in people analytics. And I think the other connection really is um, where I see a lot of the people analytics teams now getting this in their wheelhouse is, you know, they're either working with a vendor or a series of vendors, and a lot of them are actually building their own analytics-based products as well. So, um, you know, and then you're seeing some of the people analytics teams, again, the more advanced ones, you're seeing that they're hiring developers, they're hiring UX experts, uh, they're hiring uh, people that have worked in technology companies who can actually go out and make sure that there's adoption and all that sort of stuff and, and, and collect requirements and kind of maintain and, and, and enhance those products as they move forward. So I think that's the relationship. And I think, I think if you look at your average HR professional and your average people analytics professional, then the skills of the people analytics professionals are much closer to those required to do uh, effectively building products. So, um, so I think that's the that's that's where I see the relationship. Thanks. That's that's a great answer. So, so so people analytics involves quantifying people, and that raises a host of ethical questions. What do you think the top ethical issues are? What do you think the top issues are? Well, for me, I think it's the most important part of people analytics, um, and I think the danger is that. It's not necessarily coming from the people analytics teams themselves. It's from people interpreting some of those insights and maybe without the requisite knowledge, just applying some of those insights across the board. So this is why I think it's important that in people analytics, or at least part of it, needs to sit in HR, because then you can you can underpin some of the quantitative uh, work. Uh, sorry, yeah, with 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 the IO psychology part as well. So actually interpreting some of these insights from a people perspective. I think that's important. And I think certainly what we recommend um, and we help companies do is actually create, you know, create an ethics charter for the use of people data. Um, don't just go out there blindly. I mean, if we believed everything that we hear on the vendor market, and you know, we, it, 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 it's, it's dangerous. And I think uh, you know, there's stuff that needs out there to be tested and validated a little bit better than it is. And some vendors are doing a, a better job of that than others, let's be honest. Um, and, um, but yeah, it, it, from an ethics part of it, I always say to people, if you, would you want this, the work you're doing going into the New York Times, number one, Number two, could you have a conversation with an employee in the canteen um, about the work you're doing? And if you can't articulate what the benefit would be to the employee, then maybe you shouldn't do it. So, and this is about involving the right people at the outset before you do anything. So that's not just people from compliance and legal. That's actually involving employee representative groups, you know, works councils in Europe, other representative groups around the world. And actually getting people's buying, being transparent about what you're doing and why what the benefit is to the organization, but what the benefit is to the people providing the data. Um, and I think we, as consumers, we're, we're quite happy to give up our data because, you know, mainly because we see personal benefit in it. And I think the same applies in the workplace. I think Accenture did some research about a year and a half ago now, and they surveyed around 12,000 employees, and 92% of those employees said they were happy for their organization to collect data about them as long as they got personal benefit from it and i think that's got to be the, the the real underlying aim of all this stuff that we're doing in, in people analytics and hr is is there a fair exchange of value so the the, the value for us in, in having that data to maybe support with workforce planning and better decisions around people 
but what's the value to the employee as well? And I think, you know, that's that's the important part for me. Um, you know, and I think the the risk to people analytics as a as a discipline, if if, if some companies get it wrong, is is quite high. Um, so I think we we all need to come together as a community and and and, and make sure as much as we can that, that that we're all doing the right things. Great. Well, we've we've blown this been very very interesting, and we've blown through our half an hour. Um, uh, is there anything you want to be sure that the listeners take away? Well, I think it's, there's a couple of things. Firstly, I think we have to say at the moment is stay safe, stay well, and stay inside. You know, it's, it's as simple as that, really. You know, and, and you know, this is a, a big challenge, and my heart goes out to anyone out there that's suffering personally from this. You know, um, from a people analytics perspective, you know, just you know, if you're an HR professional, not necessarily a people analytics professional. You know, you're you're involved in this as well. You know, you don't have to become uh, a data scientist or anything like that, but you do need to you do need to be able to understand your business. You know, and you start with the business problem. You know, and talk to stakeholders, understand their challenges, and think about the people element of that, uh, and work together with your people analytics teams. And to those organisations that are thinking of getting started in people analytics, just get started. You know, just get that. You know, just you've all got challenges that you're trying to solve. Um, you know, if it's as simple as just providing, you know, the right information to executives so they can make decisions, it could be as simple as that. You know, just get started. Fantastic. So thanks for doing this. And if you would, take a minute and uh, reintroduce yourself and tell people how to get in touch. Yeah, well, again, John, thanks for having me on the show. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, David Green. There's quite a few David Greens, but I'm probably the only David Green who writes about people analytics. Um, I'm on Twitter at David underscore Green underscore UK. Um, and um, if you want to check out My HR Future, it's uh, myhrfuture, all one word, dot com. Thanks again, David. It's been a treat. Um, you've been listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. We've been talking with David Green from Insight 222. Thanks for tuning in today, and we will see you back here next week, same time, same place. Bye-bye now. <laughs>